So 2017 is coming to an end. 365 days, 8,760 hours, 525,600 minutes coming to an end. How did you spend your time? What did you use in that time? What did our time find? For some of us, we had personal things happen. We had tragedies. We had deaths. In our country and around the world, we had a lot of different things happen as well. February saw uh, pipeline protests. April saw a Palm Sunday massacre. There was a Texas church shooting. There were the hurricanes that took place in August. A lot of different things happened. A lot of tragedy, a lot of hardship, a lot of things that would cause us to basically kind of say, where is our consolation? Where is our hope in all of this despair? We become like Frodo, who remarked to Gandalf one time, he says, why do I have to live in such times? And Gandalf said, all of us think that. But it's not a question of what we live in, it's a question of what will we do in the time that we have been given. So what will you do with the remaining 800 or so odd minutes that remain in 2017? What will you do with whatever has been given to you in next year? Because that's our question, that's our hope, is that what will we do with what we've been given? For many of us, we will use our time as a distraction. Maybe we're like some of those who uh, perhaps they kind of had the top five how-to searches on Google, right? Maybe you'll distract yourself with time, how to make slime, how to make a fidget spinner, how to buy Bitcoin, how to watch the Mayweather-McGregor uh, fight. Those are the top five things that people looked up and how to do this last year. A distraction. Or maybe... Maybe you'll spend your time worrying. I spent approximately of my 525,600 or so minutes, I spent these last few of those, uh, I spent about 1,200 of those worrying about my furnace, wondering if my furnace was going to continue to work in this bitter cold that we are in right now. But maybe it's not your furnace. Maybe you're worrying about what someone thinks of you. Maybe you're worrying about your job. Maybe you're worrying about the future. We spend our time worrying. We spend our time yearning for the past. All right, I can be just as nostalgic as the next person, but so often we spend our time saying, do you remember when? I wish we could go back to. Perhaps one day we'll be just like. But the more time that we spend yearning for the past, we, we lose track of what Benjamin Franklin said, that yearning for lost time is just that. It's lost. But maybe it's not yearning for the past. Maybe it's yearning for the future. How many of us, this show of hands, have already made resolutions for this coming year? Anyone made resolutions? How many of you have already made plans for what 2018 is going to look like? 
How many of you are going to spend the next afternoon thinking about what 2018 is going to look like? But we do. After the year that we've had, all the different tragedies, all the different things that have taken place, perhaps in our own lives or even in those around us, we start yearning for the next. We're like, oh, if we could just be done with this year, if we can just move on to 2018. We're ready for the shiny new year. We're ready for all those different things, right? We're ready for it to be different than before. Or maybe we spend our time just busy. Maybe as I was saying all those things, you're thinking, you know what, Alex, I, I, I don't have time to worry. I don't have time to think about the past. I don't have time to think about the future. I'm just so busy. There's things I've got to do. There's things I've got to, like, even for me, I was working on this sermon, and I'm wrestling with the text, and I'm staring at this text, and I keep saying, to God, would you just hurry up and just show me and tell me what it is that you would have for me to preach on? Just hurry up. And just show it to me. And I said that, and I started writing, oh, maybe we busy ourselves. <laughs> However we spend our time, whether it's one of the things I just mentioned or something else, the thing is, more often than not, we don't spend it in the present. We don't spend our time in the here in the now. We are a people that don't know how to just be. Simeon is a man whose time was coming to an end. And yet, he knew how to be. He knew how to be present. One of the things that we heard up here on the, on the platform as they read, but it said that he was righteous. He was devout. He was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. You see, the people have been waiting. The people have been waiting for their deliverance. Simeon was a devout, prayerful, righteous man. Luke doesn't really kind of talk about what his actual title was, whether he was a priest or what. Luke didn't feel it was important for us to know. What he did feel is important for us to know is that he was righteous, he was devout, he was prayerful, and he was living in a time of great turmoil. The Roman Empire was ruling at the time. Many of the people were just trying to get by. They're trying to live their normal lives underneath this rule. There were riots happening. There were people who were kind of revolting against the government, wanting to kind of, kind of usurp the authority. They've been waiting for their Messiah. They've been waiting for their Savior to come. And they thought the Savior was going to come in this pomp and circumstance that was just going to take over and redeem and save all that which was lost. They've been waiting. And in that waiting, they keep kind of turning to other means. But for Simeon, he waited in such a way in which he remembered what God had for him. 
He waited. Not on some pseudo-savior. He waited for the true consolation of Israel. And this wasn't a waiting in which he just kind of idly sat by and staring at the telephone waiting for the Messiah to call and so they can kind of go. This is a waiting in which he listened. He listened to the Spirit's guiding. He listened to what was going on and taking place and what the Lord would have for them. He, he had, Simeon had the long view in mind. He wasn't ready to just kind of settle for what the short-term kind of egotistical things that could be in place. He was ready to say, God, whenever it's your time, let it be done. Now, I, I mean, I imagine that Simeon in all this, I mean, as he's walking down the street and maybe like a bone starts to ache a little bit more, or maybe he kind of reminds God like, hey, you, you promised me this. You promised me the Messiah was coming. Maybe as he saw the destruction that was happening around, or maybe he saw more death and he saw maybe his fellow countrymen just kind of turning to different ways, maybe he, he kind of thought, God, is it, is it time yet? Is it time yet? I'm getting older, and you told me I was going to see it. And we don't know. We don't know how he was in all this. But what we do know is that he did not turn or block off his listening to God in all this. In all of his waiting, he kept turning and listening to what God would have for him, what God would have for the people. He remembered. He remembered God's promises. Every day when he got up and he went about his pious, devout life, he got up and he said, I remember what it is that God said. I remember the promises. I remember the way that God has been active and went about in our lives. I'm remembering that. I'm holding on to that. And so one day, Simeon, devout, prayerful, righteous, led by the Spirit, because he was listening, goes to the temple. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. Because he was listening, he was following and waiting he was able to see Christ. Augustine remarked about that wonderful day for Simeon. He said, Simeon was being kept until he should see with his eyes what he already perceived with faith. Can you imagine that day in which Simeon took hold of this promise. He took hold of salvation. He took hold of that which he has been waiting for, eagerly anticipating, eagerly wanting to see the consolation of Israel. He's holding in his arms. 
the hope for his people. He's holding in his arms. There is no greater joy in being able to take hold and to receive from God what he has been promising you for so long. What a magnificent thing that was. So not only does God do this, not only does God bring this hope for Israel, not only does he bring this hope and this consolation, but Simeon testifies about this. And in this kind of realization about this, Simeon declares some things. He says that Christ is our Savior. Christ is our Deliverer. Christ is as our hope of hope. Christ is what we have been waiting for and wanting to see so much. So much so that his testimony amazed Mary and Joseph. But he goes on to say that this is not just for us. This is for all people. Isn't it just like God? When we're waiting for a promise and we think it's going to be one thing, he makes it so much better than what we thought it was going to be in the beginning. So here's Simeon thinking that this promise was just going to be for Israel. And in this testimony, he goes on to say, this is for all people, for all nations. I have no idea. I don't know if at that moment Simeon was just kind of caught up in all the, the, the spur of the moment. He was just like kind of recalling all the scripture that he'd been devout and studying. And if he also really like, oh, that's what God was doing in our scripture. Now I get it. I don't know if the spirit just kind of led him to just kind of say like this thing for like this is for all nations. But whatever it was, Simeon took hold of it. He recognized it. And he realized this is for everybody. And his testimony, this testimony about this baby, this baby that came in the most unconventional way, whose parents offered this humble offering of two doves, this baby boy who would grow in wisdom and stature, this baby who would then grow and to teach Preach this baby. What Simeon took hold of was for Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, men and women. And he is now with us. That's how Simeon spent his time. He waited. He listened. He remembered the promises of God. He received what God was doing. And he testified. That's how Simeon spent his time. He wasn't making fidget spinners. He was waiting on God. So whatever amount of time God gives you this coming year, of the 525,600 or so minutes that you will use, or even the 800 or so minutes that are left in this year, 
spend it waiting in faith. Waiting in faith on God. Because we don't want to miss what God is doing right now. Sure, it is easy to look back and to yearn forward. But if we don't wait in faith, we miss what God is doing right now. The places that he is showing up, the things that he is doing. It's finding the divine in the very moment you're in. It's looking around and recognizing that in the walk to the car, where's the divine? In the conversation that's being had as you exit today, finding the divine. However you go about, stay in the present. And don't just wait idly, but listen intently. Listen to what God is doing. Listen to where he is leading. Listen to the things that he is asking for you to be a part of. Author Jean-Pierre de Cassade said, to discover God in the smallest and the most ordinary things is to possess a rare and sublime faith to find contentment in the present moment. We can look back, we can yearn forward, or we can be content. We need to remember too. We need to remember. Now, I did, I struggled with this part when I was looking at this, because I was thinking, God, I don't necessarily want to remember everything. There's a, there's a lot of hard things that we're talking about. Because as much as God is like, there's the story of life, I can also give you the story of death. As much, Lord, as I can kind of talk about the story of victory, there's a story of defeat. As much as, Lord, I can remember like a story of hope, I can also see a story of despair. So I don't know necessarily, God, if I want to remember everything. See, it's not about remembering everything. It's not even about remembering what happened. It's remembering what God did in the midst of it. It's remembering God's activity through life. It's remembering God's activity through death. It's remembering God's presence through the tragedy. It's remembering God's presence amidst all the things. See that list I was talking about at the beginning, all the things that we came out of this last year? I started listing all the, the shootings, the, the, the massacres, the, the, the earthquakes, and the, the, the hurricanes. And it's easy to look at that as just what happened. Or we can look at how was God present in it? What was God's activity in the midst? So our remembering is, the, is remembering the promises. Our remembering is remembering his activity.
It means this. We need to take hold of Christ. Simeon, he knelt down. He picked up this baby. And he literally took hold of God's promise. Now, I don't think that any of us have been promised by God to see the birth of the Savior. I'm fairly confident of that. But what I do know is that we have been promised by God to see him in the everyday. To see him in the small things and the big things. So receive Christ. Take hold of the small things that God is doing. It may not be the pomp and circumstance. It may not make the top five things that on a Google search. But take hold of Christ. And testify. Simeon testified. Where is God showing up right now, people? What is God doing in our lives that we need to testify about so that just as Mary and Joseph were, others around us can be amazed? Not because of, what we're, not because of us, but because of what God is doing and saying, because of God's activity. So I don't know how much time I think there's, I wrote it down because I figured it out. 840 minutes. There's 840 minutes left in this year. Whether you spend some time in resolutions, whether you spend some time with family, I'm actually going to ask if you would consider some questions. Some questions to kind of reflect on. Some questions that you can take hold of, that you can remember that you can wait in. So with these last few moments, let's spend it listening. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Is it a resolution to a relationship? Is it an answer to a medical diagnosis? Are you waiting on hope in a place that's been filled with despair? What are you waiting on right now? What of God do you need to remember? Is it a promise? Is it his activity? Is it a way that he showed up? Is it your salvation? What of God do you need to remember? Where is Christ showing up that you can testify about? Where around you? Is God doing his work? What ordinary way can you find the divine? 
Where is Christ showing up that you can testify about? And the last one is this. Who around you needs to realize that the gospel is for them? When Simeon took hold of that child, he realized it was more than just Israel's hope. It was the whole world. Who around you needs to know that?